0: Hello hockey fans and welcome to the podcast this is the Vegas Hockey Podcast and along with Chris Lisa my name is Mark Warner Um, we're gonna have a great show today we're gonna welcome in Andrew Forbes he's the fantasy editor and Maple Leafs writer for at the hockey writers Um, you can find him on Twitter Andrew G Forbes um he's from oakville ontario uh he's currently in london and he covers the maple leafs like i said for the hockey writers andrew welcome to the show thanks for having me on guys i appreciate it man thanks for taking your time i know chris we were talking before the show you had your big maple uh your big blue jays win earlier and now we're right in the middle of uh leaf sabers and i believe at the break the leafs are up one nothing on a goal right
2: parent they are up one nothing on a goal by uh
0: okay all right well we'll try and we'll try and get you in hit it and get you out so you get back to your games i know uh i know what it's like my team's off tonight so i don't have to worry about that our first segment we go uh we just go around the league and fortunately for us we had some big news uh come come out of columbus today with todd richards taking the early 0-7 axe and kind of a surprise hiring for me bringing in tortorella um I saw your article you had posted up as uh, both ranked both both coaches had been ranked 26th if I'm looking at that correctly and you're looking this more of uh, in with the old out with the old kind of a sideways move if I was looking at your article right is that uh, kind of how you see it Andrew?
2: Well, it was you know what it was actually a tweet by uh, Rob Vollman that uh, um, actually said that. According to his coach's rankings, he's got the two ranked at 26th, which, I, I mean, it, he mentioned it's sort of a lateral movement for the team. You're not really bringing anything new in. You're, you're more just kind of transferring a team that's not doing well under, you know, one twenty sixth ranked coach over to another coach ranked around the same, same mark. And, uh, you know, like, everybody coming in didn't think that Columbus was going to be this bad. I mean, no. I don't think anybody could sit back there and say, you know, Columbus is going to start zero and seven, especially with the acquisition of Saad in the off season. And but you have to look at this team and, and say, you know, they don't really have a number one defenseman. And in, in a league where, you know, you need that sort of fr- uh, net front presence, you don't have you don't have anybody covering or protecting Bobrovsky back there. You've got Jack Johnson, who's maybe a three or four. But uh, you know, and I don't see how Tortorella is going to change the atmosphere of that team. He's going to give the stars a lot of ice time, like he did in Vancouver, like he did in New York. But uh, he's not going to change that the mentality in that in that uh, dressing room. And I think that's that's where a lot of people are going to see, you know, maybe maybe a mistake's been made here. Um, I know I know they weren't, or reports have them in had them in talks with Randy Carlisle as well, which uh, kind of surprises me. But, um, you know, it's a, it's a team that's uh, just looking to find that chemistry before they get going. And I think when they do, they're going to they're gonna really show up this year.
0: I think the, it's funny you mentioned Randy Carlisle. I was looking, I was doing research for the Maple Leaf side, and I was looking at I think Carlisle would probably be a better fit than Tortorella for this club. Chris, what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I actually, I, I mean... I don't agree with that. Not that I'm a John Tortorella, you know, uh, booster, but I mean, saying he's the 26th ranked coach. I mean, this is a guy who's won a Stanley Cup uh, in Tampa Bay. Uh, he, he did do a good job, I felt, with the Rangers. He got let go by the Rangers uh, because he wouldn't uh, make some adjustments per the GM Glenn Sather, and once they weren't on the same page, he got let go.
2: Um, but I,
1: I think Andrew's spot on. I mean. I, you know, their biggest problem is their blue line. Um, I'm not saying it's awful, but it's just not good enough in terms of when you look at these top teams. I mean, being a person who's followed the Islanders for so many years, it's only recently that they, I don't think it's a coincidence that they have made, uh, you know, the next step when they when they added Johnny Boychuk and Nick Letty to be on the first line and then have someone like Travis Hammond to continue to grow to be on the third line, uh, the, the second pairing. And even still as much as their defenses on the blue line lines improved, uh, people are talking about maybe finding the right veteran. But I don't think they have a first pairing defenseman in Columbus. I I think at best, uh, you know, Ryan Murray has to prove he can stay healthy. I think when you look at their defenseman, at at best case scenario, maybe they're a three A, I don't even know if they're a three. They might be better than a four. Uh, but but has gonna you know, I mean this might be one of his this might be his last shot in terms of he's got a good team. Uh, they play in your face, they they have scoring, they have the goaltender. Uh, maybe he can uh, tighten them up a bit defensively. He did do that with the Rangers. Um, but he has to adjust. He, you can't beat Bad Cop 120% of the time. And I saw a little bit during lunch today at the press conference, and he said all the right things in terms of adjusting in the time off. But, you know, we we shall see. It will be interesting to see. Because Brandon Dubinsky, who he had with the Rangers, and they did not, uh, they did not uh, get along too well uh, uh, over there, and he's a big part of the Columbus team. So he said all the right things in the press conference today, that he was one of the first people they sought out, and uh, the Columbus media didn't beat him up. But, uh, uh, you know, like I said, I do think he's a good, uh, a good coach, but I think he has to learn to adjust a little bit better.
2: Well, I thought we it, heard... This. It's funny you mentioned... Uh, sorry, I was just going to say, Chris, it's funny you mentioned that uh, he said all the right things in the press conference today. Um, so when he went into Vancouver, he said all the right things as well. Absolutely. It sort of seemed to, somebody pulled the rug right out underneath that team, and and suddenly he was back to the John Tortorella that we all know and love. So, I, you know, I still, mean, you got to give that time. you that, Andrew?
1: Because when I was watching the press conference today... I had the exact same thought. I was like, I watched the Vancouver press conference, and I was like, all right, you know, maybe he learned from the Ranger experience. So, uh, but this, this might, he might. I'll give him a little kernel of of, uh, benefit of the doubt because he has to know that this could be his last last shot, especially at at a good team.
2: Yeah, I
0: agree. I think it's. I don't know. Maybe I'm taking it the wrong way, but I think that the Columbus team is too young for a coach like torts i think torts fits in better with a team maybe not heavily veteran but i don't i don't look at torts as a teacher um he's more of a uh we're gonna do this system we're gonna this is how we're gonna play we're gonna block pucks we're gonna be gritty and and take it or leave it if you don't play that way and you don't block pucks and you don't get get dirty it doesn't matter if you're whoever you are steven stamkos uh back in the day martin saint louis brad richards uh vinnie LeCavier, the same you know he demands the same style of play from every player um i i don't know like you said it could be his last shot chris i don't know i i i kind of felt the same way about vancouver just because the the skill set that the canucks have um doesn't lend itself to that style of play you could watch the Canucks and when they get in trouble as a team and they fall behind you know one one nothing two two nothing three nothing they try to over play the overly physical game and that's not what they're suited for um and that's you know my lasting image image of torts is trying to get into the Flames locker room um that's not what you want as the face of your franchise um that's I'm not a Tortorella guy. I guess that's obvious. I hope it works because when we did our uh, our season preview there, with I was really high on on the roster changes they made. And, and Chris, you made a good point in that show. We uh, we were talking about their their finish to the season last year, and you didn't put as much credit into that run as a lot of the other uh, people that I've listened to. Uh, it's easy to play with the pressure off so to speak and you thought once they got some of their players back and they were healthy they were able to make that that strong run down the stretch last year but you didn't think that was going to translate into uh any sort of carryover into the season I guess am I remembering that right
1: yeah no I didn't hold it against them but I, I I uh you know every season is its own unique season and uh it was great that they finished up strong. It showed you how much they cared. And even though they knew they weren't going to make the playoffs, that they busted their butt. And that's, and they, that, the one thing I will say in terms of the fit for Tortorella with the blue Jackets is they do have that kind of mentality and they do play kind of an in-your-face style. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be strong enough for him defensively, but yeah, in all sports, one season doesn't just because you finish. And I've seen this in the past with the Islanders. I saw it a couple of years ago where everyone assumed when uh, they had, you know, granted it was the strike, uh, the lockout year, so it was a shortened year, and they had a terrific regular season, they had a terrific first-round playoff, and everyone assumed, oh, they're going to take the next step now. And it doesn't work that way. Uh, the teams, the difference in the teams are so minute. Uh, they're in a very tough division. They're a are heck of a lot better than 0-7, obviously. But now there's psychology at work going on here to say the least, and uh, not to mention they haven't done a lot of puck luck, so um, you know, they'll you know, they've got a lot of work ahead of them uh, to make the playoffs, not that it's impossible obviously, the 75 games left so, uh, but they're going to have to grind it away, they're going to have to put together, you know, good weeks, good months, and, and just peck away just to get to, just to get to 500
0: and you, you guys mentioned l- mention, mention that. go ahead
1: well, I was just going to say, it's
2: funny she mentioned that too Chris, because I was watching Leafs lunch this afternoon, and um, they were talking a little bit. Uh, they, they raised a question of who would you put your money on at this point in the season: Toronto making the playoffs or Columbus making the playoffs? And right now, Toronto's sitting three points up on uh, on Columbus with two games in hand. Now, granted, we you know we're only what six, seven, eight games in, but you know, I mean, it's it's a question that you know some people are asking themselves because. Here's a team, uh, Toronto, that are you know a bunch of misfits that aren't supposed to, you know, make the postseason for the next three to five years, and here's a, on, on the other hand, you've got uh, Columbus, who's who's a team who's expected to go to the postseason and do some damage in the postseason, and uh, they certainly are not looking like that team that people thought they were going in. Now you got this
1: point of Columbus is keep in mind this is the second year in a row. That they've been, now granted, they had a ton of injuries last year, but this is the second year in a row they were the trendy pick. Uh, you know, last year, I saw all the place after they had a great regular season and lost to Pittsburgh in a tough first round series, people last year were picking them to go to the Eastern Conference finals. Our own hockey writers, Matt Pryor, loved Columbus. He was there sleeper the team in the East. And I texted him and, uh, the other day saying, Put the SI curse on the Blue Jackets instead of there, <laughs> the state of Ohio. But, um, you know, so even this year, because, you know, again, how they finished, the part of the, the big move with side. again, everyone had, everyone was talking about the Capitals, it seems like, and Columbus. Those, you know, uh, those, uh, Columbus was the trendy pick again. And maybe these expectations have gotten into this young team. I,
0: I think that's probably quite a bit of it. And, well, even I mean, when you're when you're a trophy winning goaltender comes out and just publicly says, "I've lost all my confidence," it's it's not well, a it's not a good look. Oh, no, not at all, man. Well, you guys mentioned the the lack of the blue line. I was watching the Isles Isles shut them out the other night, and they gotta they gotta work out a way to get the puck out of the zone. The Isles just spent so much puck possession time in in the jackets zone that uh, that's it's just like what you guys said they need a dynamic number one puck mover that can recover the puck get it up to the forwards get it out of the zone bing bang boom and they yeah that's not what they have on the blue line I don't know like like you were saying Andrew I don't know if they can if Tortorella can do anything uh system wise to fill that hole um I don't know. I, I think, like Chris said,
2: I think the pressure got to him. Segwaying out. Well, the thing too, Go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say, the thing, too, is, you know, it's all about system and getting out of your own zone and being able to make those quick passes, as you mentioned. Absolutely. When, when we look back at Tortorella's system, when have we seen his ability to create that, um, that those quick passes, the, the quick exits out of your own zone? never from from my standpoint i don't remember seeing that very often
0: i don't either and he had a couple of uh defensemen that has shown themselves to be capable uh of playing that role especially in vancouver um Mm -hmm. px comes to mind and i I didn't see that with him so i that's that's seems to be that's their problem and i'm not sure that torts is the answer but then that's why i'm sitting in my my living room doing a podcast and not coaching a hockey team i guess (laughs) well hey that takes us right up to the break guys we're gonna we're gonna get out of the way we have been picked up by hockey talk radio.us uh 24 hour a day live streaming hockey talk show that uh coach chick higzola Hig- 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 sorry coach <laughs> has has reached out and put us together so we got to make way for a break and andrew we'll see you after the break Hello hockey fans, this is the Vegas Hockey Podcast with Mark Warner and Chris Lietza and we're brought to you by HockeyTalkRadio.us, the Nets' first 24-hour day, -day 7-day-a-week streaming all Hockey Talk radio station. Hello hockey fans, we're back from the break. Uh, speaking off the air we just came up with another point to touch on as far as the whole tortorella deal is that the they now own oh the vancouver canucks a second round pick in compensation for hiring their coach who's been basically talking about hockey on tv for a couple of years now um andrew did uh you they do need to look at that in the cba next time around don't you think
2: i i i completely agree that they need to look at it i just you know what? If if you're like in a Toronto situation where you go get Mike Babcock from Detroit, that's a different story. There, you know, there should be some compensation. But when you're a team like uh, Columbus who goes and picks John Tortorella off NHL Network and says, you know, come come coach us, and and Vancouver sitting there, you know, has no part in it except for the fact that they're still paying Tortorella. I mean, you're the one who gave him that contract. So why why is Columbus sitting there and they have to give you a second round pick? Because they hired a guy you know who you let go yeah it, you know it just doesn't it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, and I think that's something that they should revise once they get to the next CBA negotiating um, look at you know compensation and, and there is a way that you can work that out that it makes sense and right now it just doesn't make sense to uh, to me and a lot of people I think
0: no, I agree I agree and and it's a great analogy to use on the Babcock deal where <clears throat> excuse me. Um, they, he came over basically active as a Red Wings coach. So, but like you said, Tortorella, Tortorella's out to pasture. Um, now did did you hear? Does does how can I phrase this? Columbus hiring Tortorella. Does that let Vancouver off the hook as far as the remaining salary, or is he still owed that as well?
2: From what I understand, he still owed that as well.
0: Not bad to be John Tortorella yeah, today.
1: I, my my <laughs> understanding is Vancouver's paying part of his salary. I'm not sure of the dynamics of, of that. But obviously, I think they're getting some financial relief to see the least out of this, I believe. I believe.
0: It's, uh, wow, that does, that's just, doesn't feel right. That that aspect of the whole thing, Andrew, that's a great point. That does not feel right at all. Um, mm-hmm. The other big news that came out here in the last day or two, Duncan Keith on the blue line for the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, Con Smythe winning defenseman out four to six weeks with some knee surgery there. Um, Chris, you, you have some insight as to what they were going to do to fill that hole?
1: Yeah, it sounded like they would have their other, you know, five defensemen really pick up the slack. Uh, they're looking to pull up a kid. One of them is, was the key player, they're looking at Bill Poca, who was the key player in the trade with the Islanders a couple of year, uh, last September, I should say, September 2014, uh, in the Nicoletti deal. He was the key piece to Hulk Scott. The former second-round pick, oh, God, about three or four years ago now, uh, the Islanders were thrilled to have him. They hated trading him, but they had, they, they, at the time they had a plethora, and still do, of defensive prospects. So to be able to get an established player like Nicoletti... So it's someone to keep an eye on. Villa uh, Polka looks like uh, should be a solid two-way player. But this is one of the things we talked about the Hawks in the in the preview shows, uh, the preview uh, Central Division podcast. Mark was, you know, uh, we felt that with the core that they had, and just getting enough from the supporting cast. But we did talk about that that core has shrunk. So if they, you know, were to get the injury bug to any of those four players for a significant period of time, it could really uh, it could really hurt and the way that division is playing i mean uh, to me there is no doubt that they're going to get both wild card teams and it and and there could be a heck of a hockey team uh sitting home come playoff time with uh, with the seven teams in that division
0: i agree well let's uh let's we brought andrew on to talk about maple leaf nation so uh one one quick question just for to start off with andrew um early Early reviews on the Mike Babcock and how that's going this early in the season.
2: Well, you know, like it's not. Uh, I think everyone knew coming in that it wasn't going to be a playoff season. It wasn't going to be, you know, um, a hugely successful season point wise and win wise. But I, I think you know this this far into the season, you got to look at it and, and say that it has been successful. So far, um, you know, looking at last year and, and the way the, the mentality was and the way that the play just seemed to, to tie down for this team uh, late late in the season, probably the last 30 games of the season, um, you know, it's a different team out there now. They're playing, I mentioned this earlier, they're playing systematic hockey, like uh, short passes to get out of their own zone. And, and it's very, if you, if you look at them now, they're playing very reminiscent of Detroit teams of past. Where, you know, short passes, um, get into the other zone, dump it in and, and be the first ones to the puck. And, you know, it's, it's a team of misfits. It's a team of, of players that, you know, from all over, veteran, grizzly veterans, you know, some of them on their last, on their last leg. And it's just, uh, it, it, they're not going to be the most entertaining team to watch. But they're gonna they're gonna be they're gonna fight in in every game that they're in, and I think that's what what's important here is that you know they they are they are gonna be competitive. They are gonna let the let the young guys simmer in the in the minors for a little bit and and uh, learn the learn the game and learn the the system that hopefully translates from the AHL up to the you know the NHL. And you know they sent Marner down to uh, back to junior this year, which I think is. I mean, the smartest move for them, they couldn't send them to the HL. Otherwise, I, I think they probably would, but, um, you know, and, and again, that's another rule that maybe they should look at next CBA because there's certain, certain players that just, you know, they can't learn anymore in the OHL. It's time to, time to take them up to the man's game and, and, uh, or the pro level and, and, you know, teach them, teach them at that level. But, um, you know, it's, it's a team that, uh, is going to be interesting throughout the entire season, I think, and and you know it's it's veteran hockey. I think that's the way they were hoping it to be this season, and and let those young guys learn to play the game.
0: Chris, you want to jump in? Yeah,
1: I got three questions for Andrew. My my first question is, Andrew, am I wrong when I look at the now? I'm just talking about their main roster today. I'm not talking about the the kids in the pipeline. So, but when I look at their main NHL roster today. Other than Morgan Riley, I don't see a player that I would say, yeah, that's going to be – he's on the bus in terms of the Maple Leafs core going forward. Am I wrong in that assessment?
2: Um, I don't think you're wrong in that assessment. I think, uh, you know, the only guys that come to mind that uh, once were deemed, you know, relatively good picks were, you know, Kadri, Gardner, um – even, even I would, I would say Scott Harrington, but you know Harrington's going to always be a defensive defenseman. He's never going to be, you know, a, a forty-point defenseman. Um, Kadri, I mean, this is this is the year he's got to prove himself. They signed him to a one-year contract, and and uh, he, you know he's been up in the league for for a number of years now, and and never really reached that potential they thought he had when they took him in the first round, and and then you know even. Bozak, Gardner, and Van Riems, like those are all tradable assets. And the thing with Gardner is, they gave him a big contract after you know one relatively decent season for a guy his age, and uh, you know that's that's sort of, kind of bit them a little bit because now he's going to be a he's going to be harder to trade. He's still got, I think, four years left on his contract. So, um, no, I don't think you're completely wrong in saying that Morgan Riley is probably the only player on here that you could say is the future of this team? And, and personally, I think you're looking at a future captain in Morgan Riley.
1: Okay. Uh, my, my second question is uh, in, I believe and in, in, uh, in I, I know Hockey Futures, which is a great site, by the way, uh, has the, the, the least top three prospects in uh, Mitch Marner, uh, William Nylander, and Caspery uh, Kapanen. But all three of these guys, even though they're at different levels of prospects, but they're all really good prospects, to say the least, they're all skilled but smaller forwards. So could you see Lou Lamorello and Brendan Shanahan and Mike Babcock saying, you know what, we know we're going to keep this guy or that guy, but could you see one or two of these players being moved to a draft other areas? I mean, granted, I'm talking about trading a uh, Neilander for... Uh, let's say a, a really talented young defenseman, or, or you know, a captain for a different kind of forward. Uh, how much do you think that? Do they see that as a problem? That there's a lot of similarities of this skilled, undersized, uh, their top three prospects.
2: Um, I don't, I don't see it as a problem. You know what? I'll, I'll throw Connor Brown in there because he's he sort of sits into the same pool that you're talking about. Oh, and that's right. You know, they have they have Travis Dermott on, on the blue line now. He's a guy that's gonna. He's going to be a, a very good uh, NHL caliber defenseman. But uh, the one guy I could maybe see them trading is Kasperi Kapanen. But even then, you know, this is a league that's changing. It's, it's no longer about the big burly uh, players. And yeah, you do need some for for you know along the boards and forechecking, um, for but you still need those those talented forwards. Look at your look at your top scores over the last you know, five, six years, and, and a lot of them are smaller forwards that are, you know, have the skill level and the speed to play the game. Even even watching the game right now with uh, Tyler Ennis playing for Buffalo, and, and he's, he's a tiny little guy, but he's got the skill, and he, he uh, you know, he's usually at the top part of um, Buffalo's you know, scoring every season. So for I mean, sure. For
1: sure. It, it is a
2: game that's changing. It's it's you've got these players. I would say what they're doing right now is they're they're building this veteran team. So that I believe that you know, come deadline, they're going to trade a couple for extra draft picks. That's where you go back and get these extra players, these sizable players, these these guys that are going to be playing the wing on a on a Nylander line or playing the wing on a on a Mara line. When you draft these types of players that have the pure skill level that these guys have, you don't you don't just ship them off. You gotta you gotta find a way to build that team around those skilled players. And I think honestly, if they were to trade for anything, they'd have to look for a goalie because right now their goaltending prospects just aren't what other teams have. And what you need is a is a number one goalie and I think that's where a lot of teams go wrong is you gotta build from the net out now. You have to have a goalie that can steal you to three games in a playoff series you have to have a goalie that's going to steal you games during the regular season you think Montreal makes the playoffs last year if they don't have carry price in net? personally I don't think so Um, you know they have you have to find that that goaltender and I think that's where the Leafs are probably you know missing the pieces when it comes to their minor or prospect pool
0: let me jump in real quick Chris because that that, I'm a piggyback a question off of uh, where we just were um, going back to the draft with with Mitch Marner, uh, like Chris said, William Nylanders and Caspin are already in the system. Is there any is there any thoughts that Hannafin was going to be a better fit there since they already have that position well stocked? I mean, Nylander was a, a number eight overall pick just in last year's draft. Are they getting redundant at that position? Um, I, you know, and I, that,
2: that's a that's a really good question. I don't think. Like I said, I think you need as many skilled forwards as you can. Like you mentioned in your first question, Chris, they have Morgan Riley. That is your future defenseman, your puck-moving defenseman. Hannafin tends to have the same skill level. He's a little bit bigger than than Riley. But, I mean, you know, Marner has the smarts that you need to to play this game uh, in terms of his hockey sense. His hockey awareness is just through the roof, unbelievable. I've had an opportunity to watch him a little bit here in London, and uh, you know, had had Connor McDavid not been there with Dylan Strome last year, Mitch Marner easily wins that scoring title. Um, so I mean, I, it's like I said, they are tradable assets. Anybody's available. You know what? Like, you, you can't come into a league like this and have an no, like an untradable play. Even Stephen Stamkos this year is a tradable possibility if the right trade comes about.
0: Yeah, that's it's crazy. Going to a heck
2: of a lot, but he's there. So, I mean, you can't come in here and say nobody's nobody's you know this guy's untouchable yeah. just, it's, it's, in, the, in the salary cap era, it's just not like that anymore.
0: Well, let me take us out to a break here, and uh, Chris will come back and follow up with that as soon as as soon as we get a little business taken care of. Uh, we'll be right back. Hello, hockey fans. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast with Mark Warner and Chris Lietza. We're brought to you by HockeyTalkRadio.us, the Nets' first 24-hour day, seven day a week, all Hockey Talk streaming radio station. Got it. All right, and we're back from the break. Uh, We were talking about the youth movement in Toronto and we were getting into some of their younger players that we're going to be seeing here. Uh, Chris had another couple questions about the youth. Chris?
1: Yeah, and actually uh, I had a comment about Mitch Marner, and uh, Andrew, I'd like to get your opinion about it. Um, uh, Mark, you brought up the point about drafting Noah Hannibal, and I think where Toronto was sitting at four, um, and this is where it comes down to your scouting, right, your scouting department. If Mitch Marner turns out to be the spe- a special forward, they totally made the right call. Uh, if he winds up being a top six forward, then uh, and then Noah Hannafin winds up being the all around defenseman, everyone seems pretty confident he will be. Then the better pick probably would have been Noah Hannafin. Uh But that's—I mean, again, I'm not—I'm <laughs> not a NHL scout or whatever. But that's kind of how I size it up, and it, it, and obviously Mitch Marner. Uh, does have the uh, uh, strong possibility of being special. Again, if he's, if he's a heck of a player but top six forward, then I think uh, knowing that you would rather go ahead of him. How do you feel about that, Andrew?
2: I think you had, in this draft, it was. I, I even wrote a, a piece about how Arizona had such a tough call, but I think um, at 3, 4, 5, you, you just you didn't know where to go with, with this draft because it was so deep. And, uh, you know, any other year, I think some of these players could have been one, two, but you know, you're talking about a draft where two franchise players are coming out at one, two, um, I think three, four, five, it's hard to go wrong at that point. Um, again, you, you mentioned it and it goes down, it comes down to, uh, you know, where your, where your team's at and what kind of positional players they need. And, you know, and hindsight 2020, so we'll look back on this in you know, three, four five years and. We can say you know Hannifin was a better pick than Marner, or Marner was a better pick than Hannafin. But until then, I think I think Toronto made a good a good pick in the in the position they were at. And I mean, you're, like I said, you're talking about a guy who's got the all around hockey awareness that I think you know you need. And if, if you turn him into a, a winger, then you got Nylander and him playing on the same line. Or um, I think it's going to come down to trying to get those skilled forwards, um, you know, to, to Put up some goals on a team that right now doesn't have the goaltending that they're going to need to be an NHL caliber team.
0: Well, remember, Chris uh, Marner's the Ontario kid and Hannafin's from Boston, so that, I think uh, that, that has a lot to do with it. I think I know Maple uh, Maple Leaf got, Nation got, Maple Leaf Nation got, likes their uh, homegrown players. Man,
2: you've got you've got the uh, you've got the one night. Uh, um, relationship there as well with um, with Mark Hunter and and having drafted uh, for sure in, into the OHL as well right so yep he knows the type of player he is he knows what he wants from him and I think that adds a huge huge yeah. um, aspect to to why they drafted Marner as well
1: yeah and in fairness to the Leafs I mean Marner I don't know what it, how it's going to shake out like Andrew said but Marner has a much higher ceiling than had it been up by all accounts my last question for Andrew was um, dealing with the leap fans, and I know uh, that, you know, obviously no one knows hockey better than, uh, you know, teams of uh, the Canadian teams. They knew that uh, a rebuild was something they have been clamoring for. Uh, patchwork was not going to get it done, but are they still going to feel the same way, Andrew, in in, in another year or two? Because, I mean, usually rebuilds, it's not usually a one-year rebuild, you know they'll be you know bad this year, a little bit better next year, and if all went great, maybe they could push for the last playoff spot in the third year. But odds are all that that could be another non-playoff year. Are they, uh, you know, is it be careful what you wish for?
2: You know, Chris, I think the true fans are going to look at this team and say this is a five-year rebuild. This is this is a team that if they make it in the first 5 years to the playoffs that's going to be a huge major un, unexpected success but i think if you are really looking at this team realistically you got to look at it and say this is a team that's going to take 5 years to get back to the to the playoffs and and that's not even that's not even saying becoming a contender because you're going to, you're looking at it you know how long did it take chicago when they had taze and kane and, and all these guys coming up it took them a few years before they put everything together even your Islanders, that I mean, it didn't it didn't happen right after they drafted John Tavares.
0: No, same with the and Kings. I,
2: I think that's and same with the you know like that's exactly what
1: five year rebuild he
2: is in the salary cap era. era. It's not it is a five year rebuild, and I, I'm, I'm working on a piece right now. I was at Game Five for the, the Jays, and it was easily a, easily one of the the greatest sporting events I've ever experienced live. That's and awesome. Part of that was the fans and And, yeah, there was a moment in the seventh inning where where the fans kind of got out of control. but when they when they hit that home run to go ahead, that place erupted. And I think that's where the police need to find a way of creating that atmosphere again in the ACC, and that's something that's missing. that's 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 a major part that's missing. and And you look at these good teams and they've got a good, solid fan base that will cheer them on. Uh, you know, they'll get upset when they lose, but they're not going to be throwing their jerseys on the ice. Buffalo they're Sabres come to mind. I was at a Buffalo-Chicago uh, game at the end of last season. and
0: Fans are amazing. fans
2: were ecstatic, even though their team was, you know, dead last and they were losing to Chicago. Those fans were right into the game.
0: 100%. And that's
2: what, you know, that, that's part of it. And in Toronto, we have—we all know—we have the suits down in the bottom bottom area. Like, it just—it it, it takes away from the atmosphere of the game. It takes away for the players. It takes away for even the, the real fans who are sitting up in the, you know, the nosebleed.
0: Well, we have a part-time Toronto, host I, I from play. Buffalo, and uh, the, a lot of the guys come down from Toronto to get uh, the lower bowl seats because they're unattainable in Toronto. Um, and a lot of the oh, yeah. a lot of the deal in Buffalo is there's some great hockey fans that make the trip down from Southern Ontario.
2: I, I drove I down to one. New York to see a game at Nassau yes or last year. Nice. Oh, okay. I Drove all the way down to one. New York, eight hours to see Nassau, and and that was you know again it was because the tickets here were just through the roof. I think I sat uh, third row from the ice in in Nassau, and it was. Again, great atmosphere. The fans were respectful, even though I had my my Leaf jersey on. But it was, you know, it was as a fan, you want to go into these 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 hostile arenas and you want to experience what it's like to be at their fan base. And I think the Toronto fans have to learn that and have to grow with this team. It's going to take five years, so the fans have a lot of time to grow with this team. And I think that's going to be an important important thing for them as well.
1: I got one last question, and this is to both of you, Mark and Andrew. Uh, Andrew, Mark is a, a big king guy. Will Dion enough be a king? <laughs> yes or no? <sighs>
2: uh,
1: um, I
2: I'm going to go with a no. I'm agree. Um, I th- only because I mean, look at look at LA's salary cap uh, right now, and in Toronto would have to. I don't as as somebody who who watches toronto and covers toronto i don't think toronto should be eating any more money they're already eating enough of uh kessel's contract for what another six years i believe six or seven years so i they they there was some talk of you know teams that are without a big defenseman right now and that includes columbus that includes now chicago um do they make these moves? And I just, I don't see it. I really don't see it because they're going to be relying on Toronto to eat too much of the contract, and I don't think it's going to happen.
0: How about I'll give you Looch and a prospect, and then the contracts will work out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> do you guys, do you like that? Yeah, we'll go Looch
0: each for FNUF.
2: So we're, we're talking about one one grizzly guy for another another
1: guy
0: uh, that plays the same type of game eh? yeah but uh milan lucic comes off the books at the end of the season so you get rid of six million dollars in cap
2: that's true that is true and you know what i we've seen a lot of lucic in boston for uh, sure i I don't know how we get along in the dressing room with some of the guys he played against
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right well uh one one thing i wanted to ask and and you kind of touched on it earlier uh Last year, you said the 30 30 games at the end of the season was just just play fell right off the cliff. Um, But when Rick Carlisle was let go, they were actually holding down the the eighth playoff spot there in the East. Um, Was that just a statement to the players that we're not liking what we're seeing out of you, and if we got to get rid of Rick, uh, don't be surprised if you're next? Or was that a clearing of the slate? hoping that they were going to be able to land Babcock. So not too many teams will go in and fire their coach, you know, in January when you're holding down a playoff spot. What was the talk in Toronto about when that happened?
2: Yeah, you know what? Um, I don't know if it was really a let's clear it for, for uh, Babcock. I think, you know, if you want to do that, you could have always done that at the end of the year. Um, honestly, I think it was just a statement to say, look, nobody's safe. This is something needs to change, and um, you know it needs to change now. And I don't, you know, they bought in Horcheck, and it just everything, everything fell fell right off the, you know, the cliff, like you said. So I don't know. I don't know why they 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 let uh, Carlisle go if they knew they were going to make the change at the end of the year. Anyways, I would have let him let him uh, play it out, but. In the end, I mean, you saw what Horchak brought to brought to the team, and he did the same sort of thing in Florida where, you know, very defensive or attempted to be a very defensive-minded <laughs> coach. And there was, I mean, there was no system. There was absolutely no system. And that's, as I mentioned earlier, that's the biggest change I've seen is uh, from last season to this season is that Falcock has a system. He has a way to get out of the end, their own end. He has it's a way very to important. set up in the Horchak. You know, and that, and even in the neutral zone, you see that there's this system that, that's in place for how the players are expected to play, and there just there was none with Horacek last season. That's a big that's reason. A big, big reason why they dropped off.
0: Yeah, that's a big reason why the Kings are successful. That's a big part of Coach Sutter's system is is when you recover the puck and you get it out before the other forwards can get down on the forecheck. It just puts the puck, you know, it tilts the ice. Um, and I yeah. haven't yet seen the team play. I think I'm a run out here as soon as we're done and try and catch the third period. Um and see how much of that uh Detroit Red Wing system is is coming together in Toronto. I'm interested to see that. But uh that is that's a big part of the oh, King's yeah. success is you have a Dowdy, you have a Muzz, and you have a Alec Martinez back there, and then you also have it until this year you had Robin Regier and Matt Green holding down the defensive uh, responsibilities at each pair that freed up the guys with the mm-hmm. stick skills to get the puck get behind the net get it out get it to the forwards get it through the neutral zone and get it deep um, there's two stanley cups in la because of that
2: i agree i agree
0: well andrew thank you so much man for uh, great talking hockey for sure great job um we're gonna let you go and and uh, we're coming up against another break but tell everybody where they can find your stuff
2: you can find me over at The Hockey Writers. Um, I'm now the editor of Fantasy Hockey, and I write for the Leafs. You can also check out my column, Tape to Tape. Uh, you can hit that up on Twitter at Tape to Tape, T-H-W. Or you can find me on Twitter at Andrew G. Forbes.
0: All right. Well, thanks again, man. Great great job coming in. Um, as we get farther into the season, um, we, we'll probably reach out and, and – uh, do a follow up based on where Toronto is, and uh, maybe around the trade deadline. If there's, there's some moves over there, we'll reach out to you again. Thanks for coming on.
2: Look forward to it, gentlemen. Thank you very much for having me on. All right, have a good night. Well,
1: thank you, Andrew. See
2: you later.
0: Well, Chris, I got to take us out to a break, but yeah, once once okay. once once again, great great job by the guests, huh? Oh, amazing. All right, well, that takes us right up to the break, and we'll be right back. Hello, hockey fans. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast with Mark Warner and Chris Lietza. We're brought to you by HockeyTalkRadio.us, the Nets' first 24-hour day, day seven-day-a-week streaming Hockey Talk Radio station. Check it out. All right, hockey fans, we're back. Uh, great talking to Andrew Forbes from the Hockey Writers. A lot of good insight on not just where the Leafs are now, but a lot of their young talent and where they're headed in the future. Ooh, another another winner. That's four for four on guests, Chris. Absolutely, yeah. Andrew
1: was tremendous. But uh, my question to you, Mark, is what is in the water in Montreal? I mean, I mean, we knew the Canadians were really good, but they're not just seven. They've won their first seven games. Uh, they've outscored their opponents 23-7. to 7. Their, their whole lineup looks like a finely uh, oiled machine, top to bottom. If you look at the Canadian stats, other than their gaudy uh, uh, goaltending numbers, it's not like anyone's going to jump off the page uh, with the ridiculous stats from, in terms of goals and assists. I mean, they have players doing well, obviously but what
0: I mean how how surprised are you with this story about you all I wouldn't say I'm surprised they've been knocking on the door the last two years Um, I don't think I think it's a case of two two things Um, number one the the leadership group is a, a couple years more experienced and a couple years hungrier after getting that close uh and coming up short and learning from those experiences and i think number two they know what they have in carrie price and i think they're going to lay it on the line every night for their goaltender i think they're playing as a team as a unit um i think a lot of it is each guy over there does not want to let down their goaltender i think they're playing for him um they're not gonna, you know, they're gonna do their best not to give up, give up odd numbers. They're playing every point matters in Montreal right now. It's it's very impressive to see.
1: Yeah, they've they've beaten some good teams too. It's not like they've had a cupcake schedule that's pumped up that record. Uh, uh, the other thing I wanted to get to is, uh, you know, we had the uh, the girls on uh, Bif from how, by for howling last week talking about the Coyotes and. Uh, Anthony DeClaire continues to shine. Uh, he's got five goals, two assists. He's a plus six. I mean, he looks like he's going to be uh, forget about building block. Uh, you know, uh, the face, uh, one of the faces of the franchise out there in Arizona.
0: Yeah, definitely. And
1: you know, that and the, that keep, that keep yandle trade. Uh, <laughs> I was going to uh, say. I know they're going to be very they're going to be very happy in Arizona because they if all they got they got in that you'll wind up getting that bears fruits from that trade is declared. That would be beyond enough. But you know they got they got the Rangers second round pick from last year, which they actually traded on draft on draft day. The Calgary, which they picked up, they went from 60th and uh, the late second round pick and and exchange it for two third round picks. So we'll have to see uh, what comes of that. And then they have the Rangers first round pick this year from that trade, uh, unless of course the Rangers miss the playoffs, which is doubtful. But if they did miss the playoffs, the pick transfers over to 2017. But they still have another first-round pick coming from that trade. Uh, uh, granted, it won't be in the beginning of the, of the of that first round, but still, that's a that's a good pick. I mean, that is some return, I would say. Don't you think?
0: Yeah, it's like when the... I'm going to go football analogy. When the Rams uh, traded their number two overall pick, for uh, which turned into RG3, and they ended up with three firsts three seconds and whatever it was a couple third round picks like seven of their starting defensive players that are looking to stud 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 players uh came out of that one trade uh, arizona has a great opportunity to round out their young core with what they're going to end up getting and it, it, Yandel only has one year left on his deal anyway right
2: yeah, he's a free
1: agent at the end of this year, and given the Rangers, we talked about this in the past, they're, they're, you know, being strangled by the cap. And Arizona's paying half the salary, so he's only counting 2.6 against the cap for the Rangers this year. There's no way they're going to be able to bury him back. And at this point in time, not that seattle has been a bad player for the Rangers, but I don't think they, I don't think they feel like they've got the bang for the buck that they felt they were going to get for him And I know they were extremely high on DeClaire. Um, you know, I mean, look at Arizona. Declare, Domi, Dylan Strome is letting it up. in Junior, I, I think there's an there's an excellent chance. Uh, I expect him to be in the NHL next year. They have a lot to be excited about. Imagine if they somehow, uh, the hockey gods, uh, after uh, not having the ping pong balls bounce their way last year, have them bounce this year, and in and, uh, Arizona wins the lottery and they land home hometown boy Austin Matthews with that with that group, with that trio.
0: Not shabby. And they got two I mean, that would
1: be like much watch T V in Arizona.
0: Absolutely. They got two other uh they got two of Old Samuelson's kids. Uh one's a defenseman, one's a forward, I believe, uh that are that are knocking on the door too. Um I'd say they're about three years farther along than Toronto. <laughs> No offense, Maple Leaf well, Nation. Yeah, we we uh, yeah, we love where you're headed, yeah, but you got a long road in front of you. I think uh, Arizona's halfway down that road right now. They've what did the, go back and and one more time the, the the Rangers got Yandel and they gave up a first and a second and Duclair. Is that am I right there? Yeah,
1: yeah. Wow. And they gave up. Um, I believe I want to say John Moore. The I mean, that was the core of the deal that they. By, by a, a big part of the reason that they were able to get so much was because the Rangers were up against the Cavs. You know, kind of the same philosophy that the Kings did with Lucic. Uh, the Coyotes did it first with the Rangers, that by paying half the salary was such a minute cap hit for that kind of player that the Rangers were willing to give up more. So kudos to Arizona for doing that and uh, using their cap as an asset uh, to gain assets, and,
0: yeah, that's uh, outstanding. Uh, outstanding trade
2: for them. Yeah,
1: that was, the, yeah, they had, like I said, that has a chance. <laughs> that trade, I mean, you know, heck, we didn't even like I just briefly mentioned it. They got the seventy sixth and the eighty third pick in last year's deep draft. Imagine if those two players wind uh, up being, you know, just good players. I mean, that that, that trade has a chance to be uh, just you know an all time, you know. Uh, a franchise builder, quite honestly. For sure. I mean, uh, if those picks work out right. And, and like I said, Declair looks like a first-line player. I guess the last note is, uh, you know, the Blues took a little bit of a hit. Paul Stasny wound up breaking his foot somehow the other night in the game against the Canadians. Uh He's off to a good uh, start, too. Yeah, he's uh, kind of a Dwight King situation that you're familiar with in L.A. Yep. It sounds like he's... Uh, it's going to take about five weeks, and they're going to reevaluate him. So he could he could wind up missing a couple of months of the season. I mean, the Blues are deep, and they're off to a good start. But uh, uh, yeah, that, that is that is that is a shame. But the Blues are, are very deep at at forward, so uh, they'll miss them, but uh, they'll be able to, uh, I think, be okay. Be okay.
0: One thing going back a couple of shows too with uh, Matt. He said, "If you're not going to win hockey games." Play an entertaining brand of hockey. Again, that'll, that'll help keep... And that's... Uh, Anthony DeClaire sure is playing an entertaining brand of hockey. Max told me to come in, lighten, lighten it up, lighten it up in Arizona. Good things on the horizon there.
1: And I, I, I will get... As much as I we got to talk about Matt Pryor, of course, of, of the hockey writers, so you can find him at, at Big text 1926 uh, I will give him kudos, because he had... He was very high on the stars, and the stars—how good Marcus' and the stars look so far. Who I don't high on them as well. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I so far they're making me look foolish. Not that I thought they would be bad, but I—it I, looks like there's a lot more uh, defensive responsibility going down in Big D under Lindy Ruff this year. I would say.
0: Absolutely. Um, you put a lot of stock in when the Islanders brought in uh, Boychuk and Letty, and I kind of paralleled that when they got Sharp and Oduya in Dallas um you're bringing in two guys that still have a lot of skill and a lot of a lot of a lot of on ice talent as well but they they what they bring to that locker room is to you know what do they got five six Stanley Cup rings between them I'm not sure if Oduya was there in 2010 but um five or six Stanley Cup rings walk into that locker room every night with the younger guys um I that's gonna end up you know, like like I said, you you put a lot of stock in the boy Chuck Letty acquisitions for the Islanders. Uh, Sharp and Odia in Dallas are, I think, gonna do the same thing. And I was high on in preseason, and I sure don't want to play them till hopefully they cool down a little bit out here in the West. I sure don't want them on the schedule yet.
1: And uh, Niemi, how good uh, you know? And you know, Niemi's looked real. I know it's early, but he he has looked really good. He looks like a different player than. I thought he was bad last year, but I wouldn't say he was good. Uh, he looks like a number one goalie so far this year. So it looks like, I mean, again, that division is just, you know, brutal. I mean, again, I don't expect Colorado. I expect them, like I said in the preview show, expect them to be a competitive, not a bad team, but not a contending team for the playoffs. If you look at that division with the other six teams, the Blues, the the Jets, the, the, the Blackhawks, the Predators, the Wild, the uh, um, you know uh, as Bet. well as the stars i mean yeah. somebody one of those teams is not going to make the playoffs i mean that seems hard to
0: believe best division in hockey we called it in the preview and yeah it's living up to it
1: oh absolutely
0: well one other, one other good new acquisition since we're going down that road martin jones we touched on it earlier how about his start for uh, san jose there and ended up you know dino traded him to boston <laughs> You try and get him out of conference, and then he comes right back in into your division, and not only your division, but one of your one of your biggest rivals uh, smokes you on opening night, and just goes on to what did he have? I think he had two hundred and forty something minutes scoreless, and and you know from the end of game one to through games two and game three, um, and he, he had a
1: couple. He had a couple of shutouts. He had a couple of shutouts already. As, yeah, uh, for playing the Rangers, I was as a. As in terms of uh, the Islanders fans over here, we were very happy that actually the Sharks played play the uh, the Islanders last weekend, uh, last Saturday night, and uh, it they was gave him a rest day. that night. Yeah, yeah, they they <laughs> played back to back nights, and they decided to play Jones against the Devils, which they won in overtime.
0: Doesn't uh, make sense
1: care, which, and uh, and then we got the backup the next night. So I, I was I was very happy that they they chose Jones to play face the Devils, so because uh, uh, we wound up scoring six goals. Uh, against the Sharks yeah. uh, uh, that night. But, yeah, Martin Jones, uh, he's not falling under the Jonathan Bernier uh, situation or the Cam Talbot situation. Uh, he, lo- he looks like, uh, we mentioned uh, all fair, I everything me and Andrew were talking, and, and you yourself as well, Mark, talking about, you know, it's not just also the team that plays in front of you, but the ability for these young goalies, when they're that talented backup, and then all of a sudden they become the man, are they able to handle that handle that mentally you know I will uh, say I've watched a,
0: I've watched a couple others games just to check out uh, Connor McDavid I watched the St. Louis game and I watched uh, there was one other game I caught and Camp Talbot's playing good goal um, they, oh, yeah. the Oilers have been in every game they haven't been you know blown out hardly any game they've been in and he's he's making big saves he's playing good hockey I I think he's suffering you know the good the goals he does let in our goals aren't softies at all he's he's playing solid net for sure for the edmonton well all right another great week on the show um we're, we're gonna wrap things up and we're coming right up against a break here uh one thing i wanted to do is plug hockeytalkradio.us they picked up our show they have a uh, coach chick over there sets up this all talk all the time 24 hour streaming radio station um and then they plug our show in. Uh, I'm not sure where, what time slot we're going to be hitting as we get there. But uh, we have been picked up, so that's pretty awesome. That's kind of a unique format uh, hosted by Radionomy. And the website is hockeytalkradio.us. Uh, there's instruction podcasts. There's fan podcasts like us. There's... All kind of different uh, instructional instructional content, uh, coach talk, that kind of stuff. So it's it's actually a pretty cool site. Uh, so we're pleased to be associated with Hockey Talk Radio. US. It's been a lot of fun, Chris. I got to let you go, buddy. We're right up against a break, man. Thanks again for doing it
1: looking forward to next week
0: absolutely we're going to have jd styles from the los angeles kings blog Uh, we might have to monopolize the mic here next week if we get too far into kings hockey chris i'm
1: looking forward to it'll be great
0: okay man we'll talk to you next week thanks a lot sir
1: thank you